I remember my first love affair. Somehow or another, the whole darn thing went wrong. But my mama had some great advice, so I thought I'd put it in the words of this song. I can still hear her saying, Boy, boy, boy. Oh, I see you sitting out there all alone. Crying your eyes out, cause the woman that you love is gone. That was Jerry Butler, Only the Strong Survive, from 1969. My roommate in uh, college's favorite song, and he drowned um, quite soon after loving that song. Now, the... Um, <laughs> thank you, Paul. Um, I thought I would talk today in podcast 253 about a kind of fallacy. Uh, the uh, uh, cast is called Facing the Canons Not. And um, like so many maxims and apothegms that you hear in life, cousin said, you patch grief through maxims, you patch crises through maxims, he said, and... In By Love Possessed, before the uh, younger, quote, ingenue heroine kills herself. Um, The uh, thing in religion and in philosophy and in all human affairs is that nothing is wholly true, and many good things are partly true. But if we extrapolate and say that certain things are completely true, 
and sort of make them into an abstract principle, they can kill us. And one of the ones recently is the current um, maxim that when the going gets tough, you have to lean in, to quote one person, or to face the cannons, rather than running away, given a tremendous obstruction or challenge or antagonistic force, you do better. This is kind of Asian wisdom, you might say, but uh, Christ lived it very much uh, as he went to the cross. You <clears throat> face the canons, and in facing them, you often discover that <clears throat> they sort of roll over you, but you aren't destroyed, and um, it kind of abreacts the problem when you face it, and you emerge almost without the problem. The problem, as it were, kind of dematerializes when it comes directly at you, and you don't fight it or resist. In other words, what you resist persists, and what you don't resist does not persist. I mean, these are common things you've heard from um, Eckhart Tolle and Oprah and all sorts of people, and there's a deep truth in it. Um, Dr. Calhoun's way of putting it is feel to heal. If you want to find a way out of some awful experience or some dreadfully legated uh, experience from the past or from the present, for that matter, that is hurting you, some awful pain that you have and suffering, that the only real way to cauterize it or to catheterize it, or rather to um, abreact it, is to um, feel it. And if you really allow yourself to feel it, it kind of, the, the pain goes, almost to the extent that you allow yourself to feel the pain. Now, there are all sorts of truths in that. It is absolutely true that if you could feel to heal every pain and loss that you have in your life and grief and hurt and sorrow and um, wound, uh, that uh, these things would diminish rapidly and almost immediately to sort of 20% of their regular power. But the um, we um, overvalue uh, or overevaluate our strengths or our purpose or ourselves when we um, uh, say that it's a universal principle because there are some things, usually one or two, that are so bad and so painful that the answer is not, in fact, to feel to heal. That is to say, that's really the result the, uh, of something other. But the, 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 the thing that we cannot do is to face the cannons because the cannons will roll over us and, in fact, destroy us. There are, there are things of that nature. This is why in the Christian tradition, certain issues in your life are reserved for exorcism. Certain enemies and antagonists in your own history and in your own life and your own feelings are so profoundly, uh, the pain is so great and sometimes the external adversary is so strong that um, you would be ill-advised, in fact, to face the cannons, but rather you do very, very much better to run away. Or to throw, you know, remember those series of podcasts I did about the Dennis Wheatley lesson? You throw the crucifix at the devil. You don't um, sort of open your chest and unbutton your, 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 you know, and say, here, take me. You know, like, uh, here, I'm, I'm in, um, uh, in uh, Dracula, you know. Uh, she, she opens herself so that the vampire can suck her blood and uh, cut her neck. And that is not, in fact, what she should be doing. She, she needs to take a, a cross and hurl it at him, and, and he then will have a horrible scab and run screaming out of the door. And um, what I want to say is that the answer to some particular problems is not, in fact, to face the cannons, but to, um, to, to, to run in the opposite direction, to say, I can't handle this. I, I'm, I'm out of here. I can't, I can't deal with it. I'm going to tell you a little story about myself, but I'm eager to get this message across because the Face the Canon's message is, in fact, um, it's very well-intentioned, and there is a truth to it, as I've said in many experiences. But there are some things that that is not, you know, Paul said, flee. 
certain kinds of temptation, flee them. I remember when I first heard that at a focus camp and it sounded a little artificial. What you mean? You see a picture that gives you the wrong idea or of some kind of um, some image that goes into your head and starts doing havoc with your natural confidence or your natural integrity and um, you, you're supposed to overcome it, right? Or you're, you're supposed to, it, it, um, again, uh, take it inside yourself so that it loses its power? No. Paul says, flee it. And Jesus said the same thing very often. This thing cometh from another source. Um, the best thing to do with Satan is to run in the opposite direction. And if worse comes to worst, hurl a crucifix at him and trust a power greater than yourself. Now, Paula is very good on this. Paula White, who is, I want to underline, the greatest, best preacher I have ever heard. I mean, I've been doing this for, I was ordained in 1975 and was involved in the church since I was little, different forms of the church, but essentially most of all the Episcopal, the sort of mainstream Protestant churches in different forms, but mostly the Episcopal church, and, and yet in its evangelical expression. So we heard people like Festo, Mary and I did, Festo Cavenger and John Stott and Oh, many, many, many outstanding preachers, and no one. I've, I've, I've loved Bishop Jakes and have sat under his feet for a week in Birmingham. Actually, sat on the dais with his permission and just took notes and was amazed at the power of his message. He would be number two, but Paula has has a gift that is a, a gift of understanding, and she's got her radio turned to the right channel. And I can't explain it. And it's not about her. It's something in her that has allowed a kind of um, uh, frequency to come in, like in that movie. I know where I'm going with the, the um, Wendy Hiller character is finally able to talk to her horrible fiancé over the phone. It takes forever for this two-way radio and this remote island in the Hebrides to connect with another remote island in the Hebrides. And finally she captures him, can barely hear him. Well, um, Paula White is in connection. I don't understand it, but I would say it's unfailingly true. When she is on, it is God speaking through this vessel, this, for me, uh, an out-of-context vessel. And yet, absolutely, it's, I feel like that play... Um, by Enid Bagnold, who wrote uh, The Chalk Garden. I think the play is called, isn't it called A Matter of Gravity or A Question of Gravity, where a, an atheistic old lady is converted because someone she knows levitates. I mean, she actually sees a miracle of a man levitating 50 feet, <coughs> 30 feet off the ground, a real bona fide miracle, and her atheism is challenged. Well, <coughs> whenever I, uh, she connects Paula White when I actually hear her in person or in live stream, I mean, let's say three out of four times, um, it's like I'm seeing a levitation, and I, I'm converted. I can't, I can't tell you what it is, but the um, power of uh, the message she often says, and I'm sure it comes out of her own maelstrom and um, crucible of her own sufferings, um, that uh, there are many situations you have to say goodbye to. You, you have to, you have to, you have to leave. You have to. Um, you, you have to run away. You have to. You have to say, "Just I don't want anything more to do with this. I'm going to have to. This is it. I can't. This is bigger than I am." Now, this is what I'm telling you, my dear beloved uh, listeners. There are situations in your life, and I attest to this first in the front line, that are larger than you, and that uh, must be take yourself elsewhere. They, they are. They are not to be conquered. The power of God, yes, but in the meantime, uh, that is there in the crucifix and in the power of Christ. But in the meantime. Um, leave. Um, the miracle will happen. The breakthrough can happen. But if you're faced it in your own power, you, you can't. Don't face the cannons. Not. Absolutely not. Run as fast and as far away as you possibly can. Now, I'll give you an example. I was, um, had, I don't believe in dreams very much, but uh, gosh, J.B. Priestley did. Read it, the last chapter of his book, uh, Man and Time. I've just been reading it from 1970. It's a brilliant work. But um, the... Um, 
he, he dreams have never turned me on because I see them as in Freudian light. I see them as basically just sort of masked, uh, slightly veiled versions of your own waking impressions. But I had a dream the other night that has got to be one of the top ten in my life. And it showed me that, uh, that, um, uh, that Paula is right when she says there are some situations you just have to let go. Walk away and go to the new. Closure is not a bad word. We don't you have it most of the time, but we have to almost sort of imitate it or or, or attempt it dramatically. Um, I'm dreaming and I'm aware that um, someone is coming to me in the dream known as the Littlest Angel. It later turned out that that is, in fact, a children's book from the 50s. It's very good, sentimental, but very good, hated by secularists and agnostics, but quite a touching little Christmas parable, but I won't go into it. The Littlest Angel. And then the dream is this littlest angel who's kind of an angel and the name of the the the, the angel was Nancy or Walter. Now, I don't know what that, probably Nancy Hannah, but Nancy or Walter. And uh, this little angel uh, comes to my life, which is a wall, a, a brick wall. Remember that song by uh, Pink Floyd, Another Brick in the Wall? And the littlest angel looks at the my life as a wall. It's a brick wall. That is to say, the bricks represent different phases and different experiences and different people and different elements in my life. And the littlest angel says to me in the dream, I I've got to remove that brick. I say, remove that brick, but the whole thing might collapse. And the littlest angel says, no, I've got to remove that brick. We'll find a way to fill it up. Don't worry about filling it up or don't worry about the structural damage. It's not necessarily the, what is it, the, the corner, the something of the, the, the cornerstone, but that brick cannot be fixed as it is. It must be removed and taken away. And the littlest angel takes this brick, and I don't quite know how they're going to do it. Sometimes uh, columbariums are like this, and he takes a little pick, the littlest angel, sort of a young little child and, as an angel. And this little boy angel takes the, the brick in his hands and takes it away, leaving, a, leaving a, a gap, leaving a gap in the wall. All I need, no information. Uh, we don't need no, you know... Um, uh, great song. I'll tell you a story about that song once in my youth group back in Scarborough. But anyway, the, the brick is removed. And I woke up and I said, the brick wasn't wasn't um, sort of wholly assimilated or reassimilated or sort of repointed. No, the brick was removed. And that was the lesson for me. Uh, the brick, let's whatever it is, you know, everybody has a couple of things. Um, you know, it's mom or it's this or it's a relative or it's an experience or it's somebody or it's a guy or a girl or the church or whatever it may be. It, 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 it's a brick and the brick has a name and the brick is taken away and and I said oh my gosh that's so powerful I woke up tremendously uh kind of touched by it and stirred by it that this was not about facing the cannons or welcoming uh, adversity it's about removing a particular part of my life story and simply taking it away as if it had never been there. It had to, and, and then the rest of my life had to sort of kind of, uh, kind of the, the wall had to kind of re kind of reposition itself or reconfigurate itself. And somehow it did. It kind of repositioned uh, itself or came together in such a way that the gap, the hole was not really vital for its standing, for the wall to stand. Well, that's what happened. That was my dream. I actually had the dream. And I thought to myself, golly, this is what Paula means when she says you have to, there are things that you have to completely let go and get away from, not face the cannons. Well, I leave that with you and you can decide what you think. Um, And uh, to me, it's important. And it's part of what uh, Jesus Christ very strongly said, if you can't handle it, um, leave it. 
leave it behind. Um, let the dead bury their dead, he said. Let the dead bury their dead. Don't worry about it. They will, that has to be, that they, they are responsible for themselves, as it were. You go on. Let the dead, be, wipe the dust off your feet. That's what this ca- uh, cash is about. And I wonder if it applies to you. Now, I'm finishing up now by a song that was originally written by, uh, for Hair, the Broadway musical Hair, but I prefer the, um, the uh, version that uh, Three Dog Night did. It's called Easy to be hard, and it's on a slightly different theme, but I present it because it's the definitive um, sort of repost to to um, liberals who um, are liberal about groups, but illiberal and unloving about individuals. People are constantly saying, oh, the church is, you know, wonderful because it, it lets different opinions come together and it has, it's so tolerant of da-da-da-da. Well, it's not. It's not tolerant if you fit the enemy as they see it. Um, groups of people, you know, liberals are fine if, if you if you're fit the category of those who need to be um, included. But if you're, you know, someone like me, uh, no, sir, you know, a traditional Christian um, traditionalist, no, sir, there is no uh, acceptance for you at all. So um, this song, Easy to Be Hard, is where uh, the singer says, you know, everybody, these people talk about how much they love and how much they want to love groups, but um, easy to be hard, especially people who care about social injustice. Uh, They care about the bleeding crowd, but how about when I need a friend? I learned this from hippies long, long ago in the 60s. They were talking a great game about the people that they particularly had particular interest in, but someone like me in that setting was never, ever loved, ever, ever included. Uh, They'd rather have me dead, and I learned that in the church I've learned that in recent years, and I've learned that from so many people. And here's the song, Easy to Be Hard. Love you. Right.